This is Emsolation. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of Emsolation Conversation. Joining me today is legitimately one of my favourite humans, someone I'm a massive fan of, as you'll hear. We've just finished the chat and I'm already regretting a bunch of stuff. I'm just so needy. I'm just, I just want to impress people, you know. Anyway, I think it's okay. Just, can you just listen to this in the spirit of you guys know me? You know what I'm like. All right. Um, his name is Broden Kelly. He is one part of the Annie Donna trio. There's Mark and there's Zach also. They have just released their Netflix series, Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. It's going bunter. It's number three in the top ten. It's just so glorious. I watched it all in one day. I can't tell you how funny they are. We started out at the comedy festival same year in the same room. They were lovely, gorgeous humans. They still are, even though they're massive big stars now. If you're not aware of them, this podcast is just a great story of performers and artists who stuck to their guns, who backed themselves, who went out and found their own audience and who have and who are overlooked by commercial TV, everyone. And now their massive success is just a huge fuck you to anyone who doubted them because they're glorious. So um, we're going to go in now. You're going to hear me nervously waiting for him. <laughs> and then we're just going to let it play as is. No editing. It's a bit sweary because, you know, I got a bit – when I get amongst other – comics I get a bit sweary you know just trying to impress them I don't know just don't judge me just listen to his amazing words listen to how they got the Netflix special if you don't get goosebumps anyway enjoy Broden Kelly gorgeous amazing hot ranger viking from Arnie Donna okay hi guys I'm just waiting for Broden to jump on I'm really nervous. You know how I get weird and needy around other comics. But I've genuinely been a fan of these guys since we did our first comedy festival together. So I'm just waiting for him to come on. Okay, I'm just going to wait. Okay, he's just emailed me. He's coming. It's Broden Kelly from Arnie Donna, Australian comedy trio. I'm just trying to get all my nerves out now with you guys. Okay, he's coming. I think he's coming. One minute. Hang on. Hang on, guys. Wait. Um, I'm recording. <laughs> Good. Um, oh, it's fine. Like, I've already worded up my audience, how needy I get around other comedians. So, <laughs> it's totally cool. And I can confidently say I'm about to bring Auntie Donna to a whole new audience. That was my hope. That was my hope. The, the diehard, the, the, I call them the M. There was the Kiss Army in the 70s. And then there was, you know, there's BTS now. But then there's yeah, also the, the M, the, the M diehard come on. army. Oh, come on. You've got to have a Betty Collective now than that. I'm just trying to think. I was trying to think on the spot, but I'm not quick enough. <laughs> Says the improv comic. Yeah. Um, the Emmonites, the M, the M Emmonite? Night Shyamalans, the. Oh, I love. Yes. I love that. Yeah. No, I do get really stupid around other Australian comics, especially male ones. So. I'm really just going to try and be totally chill. <laughs> um, I know you've done every other podcast there is. Like, I'm pretty sure you're on the fishing one that's coming out tomorrow. Um, oh, there's some good calf coming so, out. Some good flathead. <laughs> oh, yes. Love a flatty. <laughs> so, I know that you're doing this as a favour to me and I appreciate it. Um, Disagree, but that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> No, because I always feel like I'm every comedian's worst nightmare. So, 
Not um, for me, mate. Um, we started in the same room at Trades Hall. I know. We did. We it literally was, did. You know, we ha- and we both uh, had a little core fan bases of like yes. 50 people who loved us. Yes. And we've just yes. been trying to build that and grow that for the last 10 years or so. Which is why I've always been, I've had an affinity with you guys. Like, and every time I see you doing well, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it feels a bit like, it feels a bit like, I don't know, it's a weird pride, not in a condescending fashion, but just in a like, they've gone out and found their audience and they're really fucking Fuck weird yeah. and people love them. And I, I don't know, I just, I think we I love are both, that. I think we're both self made. And yes. I always, like, we've not had a lot of, you know, and, you know, and we've not had a lot of people, you know, no. give us opportunity. <laughs> we've kind of had to find our own people. We yes. haven't had the, the breakthroughs <laughs> that other people have had. But do you know what? No. Looking back, they would those kind of, you know, leg ups from certain places would have been really, really helpful. But do you know what? <laughs> yep. Looking back, I'm very happy that we can say, like, we did it ourselves. And I feel like in the same way you do, we have a connection with our audience in a much more thoughtful, sincere way. And I thought about the power of bringing together the Auntie Donna audience with the M. Russell audience. (laughs) And that is terrifying and arousing in equal measures. Do you know what I think? You might have to beep this. They're going to fuck. They're going to fuck. Oh, there's no beeping on my... Oh, come on. (laughs) They're going to fuck, I'm a woman... Yeah, yes, they're going to fuck. They're going to make amazing babies. <laughs> like, it's just you're talking to a woman who said vaginal, bacterial vaginosis on Channel 10 at 8.30 p.m. So really. Yeah, tell them what it, how it, what it is. <laughs> tell them what it's like. Yeasty infections. And that's what our <laughs> beautiful audiences will make together. Just lots of stunning yeast infections. <laughs> um, this is exactly how I hoped it would go already. Oh, so good. Auntie Donna, we, you, did, you did mention 2012 was your first comedy festival. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, and it was mine too. We debuted the first our first festivals together. I'm much older than you guys, though. What are yeah. you? Thirty four. I'm thirty one years old. I hate you. How old are you? Hate you. Is that rude to ask? I don't give a fuck. How old are you? Forty one, bro. Mate, that's great. You're killing it, mate. You got this, mate. That's great. You're always looking at your Instagram, and you just got your you got your beautiful kids, your beautiful husband. Yeah. You're going for walks. Yeah. You're putting on fancy clothes. You're smashing forty one. You're fucking smashing it. Oh my god, it's a house of lies. It's a house of lies. I secretly cry alone at night at two a.m. into towels, questioning all that I hold dear. I mean, I do that as well. But yes, um, I have carved out a nice little life in the bush. But that's beside the point. So, Arnie Donner in pantsuits. Um, I remember seeing you guys and just <sighs> falling in love. You were just everything I wanted to be and wasn't brave enough to be at that point. Um, oh, that's lovely. The first thing I say, your comedy. You're so fucking brave. I mean, how dare you? Who gave you permission to be so brave? <laughs> We're not being brave. I reckon what we did, right, is we all went to acting school because we all wanted to be like real legit serious actors. I thought oh. about this the other day and it's kind of <laughs> awful to think about now, but all I wanted to be was Jeffrey Rush. Like that was like he's <laughs> – uh. and I took a different turn. I took a very, <laughs> very different turn. Thank God. Yes, I mean, thank yeah, God. Yeah, uh. and, um, but, um, yeah. yeah, so we all went to acting school and we all did Shakespeare and then we got out in 20. 11 and and we were putting on really like challenging theater in Richmond and, wow. and Smith God. Street Collingwood in Melbourne mm-hmm. and all the only people that would come was our poor parents and um <laughs> and well this is really hard and then uh, the funny kids from acting school kind of got together and went maybe we should do a show for comedy festival we'll, and we'll learn how to write 
by making that yes. show and then, yes. you know, we'll, make, we'll learn how to write. So the first time we ever did anything, it was just us going, it was just us going, we don't know how to write any comedy. We don't, we, mm-hmm. we know what comedy we love, but mm-hmm. let's just hope that we're strong enough actors and performers that we can kind of <laughs> trick people into thinking that we've written something good. And that's pretty yes. much, that's all it was. So we, we knew that we weren't very good writers, but we would do it with a thousand percent confidence and go, we are incredible. And like, oh. we had this, we had a clown um, teacher at university. He used to say, like in a very thick accent, if you think you have gold, you have gold. If you think you have shit, you have shit. And so like, that was just the mentality of that first show. And um, and it was cool, yeah. Well, like that, um, we got nominated for a little award, and I remember thinking, like, well, this is what I'm just going to have to do for the rest of my life. Now I've found something that I'm <laughs> semi okay at. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a little award, the Golden Gibbo, the the award. The, I've named after the wonderful Linda Gibson, great, brave. Yes. There's a brave comedian, the brave, no- yeah, correct. I know, and so after that, you guys won it too. But so oh, I don't even know where to start. I should let everyone know they've got a new show on Netflix. Arnie Donald's Big Old House of Fun, which I consumed in a day. and That's good for I, the algorithm. Uh, is the it? algorithm likes or that, Or what have yeah. you learned about being on – tell me about the algorithm on Netflix. What have you learned? Oh, they're cagey. They're all cagey. YouTube's cagey. <laughs> Facebook's cagey. They're all cagey. They'll give you little hints or they'll just say, this would be a good idea. And I think, you know, like YouTube, we know that they want people to – you know, the only way you can be a big YouTuber these days is if you make like – four 10-minute videos a week. That's the only way they'll push you to the front of people's eyeballs. Um, But then just Netflix, they love people to come and watch things in a big go, which is why lots of Netflix shows have big cliffhangers and uh, and they dump them all in one go. But it's kind of cool because it's like Netflix is a place where it's not like 10 or 7 where they're trying to, you know, fill ad space. It's literally just Mm -hmm. they're trying to make everyone in the house watch. They're trying to make something for everyone in the house and they want you to you know, not have to get other competing, you know, platforms. So that's Mm. why there's weird, crazy pricks like us on there and there's also (laughs) The Crown and there's also The Queen's Gambit. Oh, you've you've named the three shows I'm currently ping-ponging between. That's where we are. The top three, the top three trending shows, and it's probably your fault, Em, but the top three trending (laughs) shows in Australia at the moment, it goes The Crown, goes Queen's Mm -hmm. Gambit, goes Auntie Donna. Mm -hmm. And um, I love it. Just three powerful redheaded women making their way in life. <laughs> That's right. Have you, how far into you into the crown are you? Uh, I'm up to episode five, where the guys just broken into Buckingham Palace. Are you watching the crown? I too? literally just finished that episode too. We're on exactly oh God, the same trajectory. Up. I'm yes. really liking Diana. She's really cool. I'm, I'm, um, oh, the, yeah, that the, actress! What a find! Yeah, that would have been such hard casting. A hundred percent, and so beloved. But oh. are you struggling with? Um, someone compared Gillian Anderson's Thatcher to Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, and now <laughs> I can't very, unsee it. Very. <laughs> I am the prime minister. It's I kind of it's bold talking about brave performances. Like I, I don't mind it to be honest. I like I, if someone really goes for something, I'm all in. But um, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I love passion. I don't care what your passion topic is. I will be drawn to you if you are fucking flats to the wall in on it. I just, just why your show. And we've got to remember to keep telling. I mean, you don't need me again. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's We're all good. Well, let's talk. Let's just talk shit, Bruce. No, we will, we will. But I do want to just um, – so there's three of you and Auntie Donut. Remember, there will be some people who I'm introducing you guys to, which is unbelievable no, because that's you are the great. most successful comedy group in Australia currently, easily. Oh, that's lovely. Um, wow, it's true. And there's another guy. 
Mark, who's yep. a small Italian one. <laughs> and then there's Zach, who's the silken-haired – oh, that hair. I fantasize. What does he use to make it so shiny? I don't know. He's a coconut oil or something. Because oh, I'm the balding one, which was what you were going to say I next. Know. And so I, we No, you're the spunk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, you're the heartthrob of the group. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah now, you are. This is Okay, this is what I want your audience <laughs> to hear. This is good. I don't know what his hair routine is, but we have no connection. Wow. We can't We can't talk about it at all, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, he does so have stunning hair. Stunning. <laughs> does. Yeah, we're just stunning. a bunch of silly stunning. comedy boys, to be honest. We, we grew up loving, no. like, Lena on Woodley in Australia and, like, yeah. you know, The Young Ones and, and all those oh. goofy shows. And, um, Same. Yeah. Mm, I know. But the reason I think I was drawn to you is because my all-time favourite movie is The Blues Brothers. Oh, cool. You guys, I don't know, that absurd kind of – and you've got music and just taking things so far off the cliff that it's funny again <laughs> and – I don't know. I just, uh, I've always been drawn to that's my stuff. When anyone says to me, what makes you laugh? I always give you guys as a reference and, um, you know, community and Blues Brothers, Life of Brian, just stuff that was just harsh and weird and jolted me out of, you know, yeah, my life. Yeah, no, that's cool. Blues Brothers is such a unique, like, has there ever been any other film no. made like the Blues Brothers before or no. after? And I'm not includes, including Blues Brothers 2000 or whatever it was. Uh, um, oh, oh, we never speak of that. We do not mention that. <laughs> but that's like, it's a comedy <laughs> film. It's a sketch oh, film. It's got like music. Is, is Aretha Franklin's in it? Fucking Aretha Franklin is in it. I know. How did they do this? Well, I have blueprinted every live show off, to be honest. Oh, I, really? I always put, yes, every performance I've ever done. I have a big band. I have dancers. Um, there's, you know, there's show numbers. There's also like really harsh, awful humour. I mean, I did a whole show about my baby dying and that was a comedy show. And, yeah. and it was like... I've always been – I've always applied the Blues Brothers filter to anything I'm making. My dad played in a Blues Brothers tribute band oh, as well. Cool. Um, yeah, as lead guitarist and singer and, like, they were massive and it's just <laughs> – it's always been a part of my – he supported Sammy Davis Jr. when they when he came to this to Australia to tour. My dad played in the support band. So How incredible. It's always been this link. So, yeah, you guys remind me so much. I know it's a weird comparison to draw. No, that's Maybe cool. Maybe no one's done that to you, but it's that idea of just – not giving a fuck how far you take the audience. It's a great reference as well for you, and I love that you. That's kind of your reference point for your shows because your what you do is so unique to anyone else's stuff. So that makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, is that, is it like, like the Nazi like stuff in that yep. movie <laughs> in like. Yeah, and Carrie Fisher just turning up with a fucking yeah. easy like. And, yeah, she's fucking badass in that movie. And John Belushi and the energy that oh. that man had, he obviously had it for oh. very <laughs> nefarious yeah. reasons, but yes. like just an incredible performer. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know. I know the whole thing. Your show, so it's on Netflix, the three of you there. You've got amazing other, other comedians involved. It's produced by Ed Helms or Egg Helms. That will make sense to people when they watch it. You've got Weird Al Yankovic, Christian Scholl, who's um, your dishwasher flatmate. The whole – I just want to fucking say, and we'll, rip, we'll just shit about, talk about other shit. Well yeah. fucking done. On, you stuck to your guns for all this time. No fucker in mainstream let you in. <laughs> you found your community. They're so powerful and unstoppable and you made your own magic and I just love that. Oh, that's, I love it. Thanks, mate. Yeah, we just kept we just kept 
hammering away. That was kind of our mentality. Like, and we had a really cool fan base who, you know, just backed us in and liked everything we did. So that was awesome. But yeah, we just like, we just have this, we just had this belief that we'd eventually get there and we, we'd get to make a TV show. It's all we've ever really wanted to do. And like, mm. it's, it came out last Wednesday and the response has been like really positive and I'm really, really happy that people are liking it because it's, well, like you said, often when you make a TV show, you kind of have, have to change the core of who you are mm. a little bit to a, to a, you know, to appeal to people, to new people. And, mm. um, we just didn't do that. And it's like, it's, it, this show is going out to 190 countries around the world as is Netflix. <laughs> and we had to sign it decide were we going to change jokes and make them work for people in Poland and, you know, Israel and, you know, yep. Japan, or would we just stick to our guns? And I'm kind of proud to say that there's references to the Channel 9 footy show. Um, Car the Hoodoo C- Gurus. Hoodoo Gurus, Car City Ringwood, Grant <laughs> Denya. Like, it's, it's – and, like, what's been awesome about that is I wasn't sure what the response would be, but Australians mm. are just – that have watched oh. it are just like, I'm so happy that it's just an Australian yeah. show filled with American actors. and But also yes. – and no one overseas has come back and said – I don't like that you mentioned Grant Denyer because I don't know who he is. They just don't care either way. They just think it's a fake name made up. Like, who would be called Grant Denyer? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I love that because Americans don't make concessions for us. No. Never. We so grew up I watching love- The Simpsons and watch and not yes. knowing what was going on. <laughs> but still knowing it was good and funny. Exactly. But you guys said I was watching it the whole time going, they give zero fucks about the American audience. <laughs> was- I think there was one concession you made where um, I think maybe Mark said creamer instead of milk. Yeah, but he does I think that. that was- He's a weirdo. He just says shit like that. He says gas station. And I'm like, mate, it's a fucking petrol station. <laughs> petrol. Yeah. What are you saying gas station for? So he's 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 loath to do that anyway. But um, it's, it's, it was good fun to just confuse everyone. <laughs> Well, that's the thing I wonder. I wonder how many – it makes me laugh to think about – I lay awake last night thinking about – because I was thinking about – I was talking to you today. Mm. Um, all, all the confused Americans watching it just going, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Because everything's very confusing for them at the moment anyway, which is I think part of the reason this has come – you guys have come at the right time because your level of weird is the only thing – that will jolt anyone out of what's going on because any comedy that's attempting satire at the moment is it satire or is it reality? You can't 100%. tell the fucking difference. I think there's well and truly enough out there of people talking about him. Oh yeah, and yeah. you know who I'm talking about. And like, there's enough he, he people talking. Named yes, yeah. We know we, there's enough people talking about him. There's enough people worrying for all of us. Mm. Um, mm. And this show came out like what, like five days after the election. And the general feedback I've felt is people just going, thank fuck I don't have to think yes. about anything. I can just sit here and laugh and enjoy it. Watching you guys, even just the, there's a sketch where you complimenting each other on your pre-date clothes and then you just start <laughs> realising how stupid the word clothes is. And then Mark goes into this full fucking improv sex scene and <laughs> I just sat there going, this is exactly the balm and the salve of my soul. <laughs> I didn't realise it would come in a tiny Italian red corduroy suit. I didn't know that was my medicine. <laughs> it's a good point. It's about, I think it's worth any, if, if anyone does want to give it a watch, just leave your, leave your brain at the door. Oh, yeah. just, no! just like, just come in and just go. Okay, I'm happy to not think for a little bit, and I think you'll be best served doing that. Oh, can, I'm just going to be a nerd now and pick your creative process because I'm asking for myself, and this is my podcast, so I do whatever I want. I love it. Um, 
when you set out to write a sketch show like that, how much of it is planned and how much of it is you got? Like, for instance, that scene, did he plan to go that far or did you, were you just going <laughs> with it in the moment? Well, uh, if I can get philosophical, right, when we first started writing shows, and it's like an, an, it's a lesson for life, at least for me, when we first yes. started writing it, we'd sit in a closed room and write everything ourselves and not get anyone's <laughs> opinion on it. We'd just write it. <laughs> and focus on it, and then the first time that anyone would see it would be like opening nine of our tour, like at Melbourne Comedy Festival. Oh, my God, that's my process right Right? now still, 15 years later. (laughs) Well, it works to a certain extent, but then one day we can't like – so what would happen is one year would make a good show and then the next year would make a not-so-good show because, you know, it just didn't resonate with the audience for whatever reason, right? So about five years in, after we've been performing for a while, we kind of realised, well, we've done a fit. We've almost hit 10,000 hours of performing, I reckon. Um, and we were trying to get to – we were figuring out our kind of method. So what we started to do is we'd send out um, emails to a mailing list and say there's a free show on – and not say it's Auntie Donna, but there's a free show on at this venue Friday night. It's comedians testing their material. And – at the very, very early stages of sketches and ideas, we'd just get them up before we'd learnt the lines when it was real, when it was definitely not funny, and we'd get on stage in front of people and just eat shit, like just get our asses handed to us by the audience. No one would laugh, and by the end of it, we'd have absolutely no ego, just completely like I am the worst comedian in the world. This I couldn't have done a worse job. We all feel awful, and then we'd do, and then we'd come back into the office next week and learn from it and develop it and then do another performance and that one would be slightly better. And we do that like wash and repeat like 10 times where we're testing in front of people and being humiliated by them not working. And then by the time we the shows were ready to go and it was in front of a paying audience, we'd built this really tried and tested show and people like it just made it much more fleshed out. It made it much more in the room, more present. And so sketches like the one where Mark is miming out an entire... Uh, it's called Home Run, where Mark's miming out an entire mimed scene where he ends up fucking his partner um, yes. who, isn't in the, who isn't there. No, he's playing both roles, playing both roles. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. We'd done that in front of audiences a hundred times and we built it to know exactly where people would laugh, what wasn't clear to them. And, and so by the time it's on TV... We'd performed that live all across America, all across Canada, New Zealand, Australia, the UK, everywhere. <laughs> like, and we knew exactly comedically what people respond to and stuff. So it, the, the lesson, I guess, for us is don't be afraid to be humiliated to get to a place where you're happy. Oh, my God. That is incredible. My <laughs> process is still the first time I run jokes is opening night. That's so scary to me. Like, how do you get through that day? I don't think I'd be able to get through Fine. That. Like, the, the, you Fine. cry, cry. Well, that's good as long as you're managing in some <laughs> no, way. No, 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 I'm, I, <laughs> I'm no. I don't cry. No, I'm, I'm, I actually feel like I'm a bit superstitious about material that I want it to have magic in it still. That's a, that's so, a good point. I don't want to say the words too many times and I very rarely stick to a script. Very, very, very rarely. My right. shows are different every – so it's really hard for my band and it's really hard for anyone who's trying to work with me. Yep. But I get really sidetracked by the audience stories. There's so much audience interaction because that's, I think, where I'm at my strongest, where I'm just kind of bouncing off someone yep. in the audience about how their day was and we'll lose half an hour – because someone's skipped their Weight Watchers meeting to be at my show. Then we talk about why they're doing Weight Watchers. And then, like, I had to call someone's Weight Watchers person to lie for them. So, I don't know. I just 
I don't want to be too structured. So hence why my shows ended up going for nearly three hours and it's like a hostage situation by the end of it. But yeah, I I told Tom Gleason that I did that once and he was just like, what? what? Yeah, that's... And then I realised how weird I was because I'm not in the comedic community and because I just made it up as I went along. I taught myself comedy and some would argue not very well and mm. um, I just... Yeah, I only found out it was weird that the first time I did my trial show was opening night when I told Tom Gleeson. But I think the core of it is the the core of it is right because it's like we're all trying to do the same thing as we're trying to take truths that like things that we find true, whether that's a yeah. joke or just like this is my journey or my story and this is why it's funny. Yeah. And you're trying to put express that in a way that everyone can understand and connect with. So you're doing the yes. exact same thing as us. It's just we're getting to the same we're getting to the same beach in a different way. <laughs> we're taking different roads. But I've, it's true. But I, if I'm being honest, would love to make what you guys make. And in a way, I do. I mean, I had twelve dancing involvers, but I don't know. I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit something very embarrassing to you. Please. I um, I got an email from my daughter's drama teacher, who's a mate of yours, Nick. Yes, and. He said to me, oh, Broden Kelly's trying to get in contact with you. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. Oh, my God, they're going to ask me to – they're going to ask me to fucking be in a sketch. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Oh, I'm no, just, I'm sorry. I'm so excited. And then I, like, contacted you. I was, I was really cool. Like, I waited a couple of days. And then you're like, yeah, we've got a new Netflix show and um, we'd love to have a chat to you about it. And I was like, oh, yay, that's so – oh, oh. They don't want you in there, gang him. <laughs> well, I consider you more like an island. Like you're out in the forest. <laughs> there's like there's no way to get in contact. Like I had to go through a friend who's a drama teacher. Like there was you. It's like there's rumors of Elm Rusiano coming into town soon. Yeah, she's been sighted. Um, so like, <laughs> that's good to know. It's good I'm to not- know that the Rusiano oh. wants to be involved. It's good to know for the oh. future. You would, ne- I am. You would never put me in. Why would you? Why would you? Like, of course, I'm. No, don't ruin your you brand never say by including never. me. Never say never. I, I <laughs> you know, because there might just be that. You know, I and I say this in the nicest way, but you could, you could be a very good mum in something. I think. You know? <laughs> Fuck off. A Fuck young mum, a, a yummy mummy, a yummy mummy. <gasps> Oh, that's even more offensive. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. I'm digging a hole. I'm digging a hole. Brayden, I may have spawned, but I'm a person first. Yeah, absolutely. Right? How dare you? <laughs> Jesus. That's a, Put that on a T-shirt. I cared for a long time about how my peers viewed me, and I wanted to be, you know, at the Hi-Fi Bar in the gang for comedy festivals, and I wanted people to take me seriously. But ah, fuck them. Exactly. How did you not care about – I mean, but the, everyone already thinks you're rad, but how did you guys not yeah. get sucked into that – Melbourne comedy vortex yeah. that we all do. Well, it's easy. How? It's easy for me to say as well because, right? You when you finish a show, you've got your band and you've got Lucy and everything, and you go off. But it's also it's you. It's Just entirely me. you. Yeah. When I write yeah. a show, when I tour, when I'm in a hotel room, you know, I'm most of my life as an adult has been shared with two other boys in Mark and Zach as the members. <laughs> so we share everything. Like we don't need to go and go to the bar afterwards and talk. We have each other, like, and we have each other for better or worse, to be honest. We laugh together and we cry together and we, like, so that's been the fail-safe for us is we can always just talk to each other and we don't need to, I guess, do that bar thing, I guess. <laughs> and I'm just needy. Like, I'm just one of those fucking... <laughs> do you remember the year 
like I remember there was Trades Hall. We were in this tiny little room together at Trades Hall. Yeah. And then the next year was at Palais. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous, M. No one has that trajectory apart from you. Like, not to do uh-huh. an ego boost for no reason, but, like, it's a testament to you and your fan base that you were able to do that. Oh, my God. It's also become about me trusting my fan base, as you know. Like, sure. if I was shit, they wouldn't keep coming back. No, you need do sincerity. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah, like they'd come once and be like, oh, yeah, but each year the shows get bigger and stupider and more out over the top but because of them. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it has been it's been crazy. But I just remember you guys one year, did you, you did the bus tour. Yeah, we did. So we was like in our early years oh, when we were fuck, trying. Oh, was so good. <laughs> we were trying to sell tickets to our show and we were trying to find ways to get people to come to Wednesdays. Wednesdays are notoriously oh, horrible. You can't hell. sell tickets yep. to Wednesdays at the Comedy Festival because everyone wants to go on the weekends <laughs> or on the cheap days. So we yep, decided correct. that we would do a walking bus tour through the city to our show. We'd meet you at Melbourne Town Hall and we'd walk you to our venue and do fun characters along the way. We did that not really knowing how big our fan base had built since the last year. We were expecting <laughs> we were expecting it to be like 10 kids coming along. Cut to it's a Wednesday night at 8 o'clock and we're walking like 180 people, unregulated, no police assistance, through the city, like up Little Burke, or like, and, and like, Everyone is freaking out. It really, like, it was a cool... Looking back on it, people were like, who the fuck are these guys? They're blowing everything up. Um, Yes. That's what we were like. I was like, fuck those geniuses. We used to hang. I used to wait for you. I would wait to see the crowd chuffing in behind you. It was just The most stressful thing I've ever had to do, I think. I was just like, (laughs) one day a kid's going to die on this and it's going to be my fault and I'm going to have to go and perform some silly sketch comedy after it. Now, I want to ask you an official question. Please. How does one get a Netflix show? It's pretty what? simple. Talk to me about that. Oh, was no, it pretty- it's not because you're the first ones. <laughs> well. Fuck off. <laughs> what happened, right? It was like yeah. like five years ago we were just a couple of you dumb YouTube kids and we got an email, an unsolicited email from a US manager and he was like, I'm a fan of you guys. Um, if you're ever wanting to do some stuff over here, just reach out and send, you know, I'd love to rep you over here. And we're like, well, this is clearly someone catfishing us. This is someone <laughs> trying to get our bank account details. Definitely. Yes. And um, yes. he kept talking and he kept sort of organising these meetings and Zooms. I'm like, okay, so he's a real person. And then one day <laughs> he was like, all right, enough's enough. I need you to come over here and do some in-person meetings. And this is in about 2015, 2015. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Okay, and so we like put the money down for us all to fly over. We just backed. We used our own money. We flew there. Good. We didn't know if we still weren't a hundred percent. It was going to be real. (laughs) We landed. We went to his office, and he existed. This guy was real. This was a legit like manager who had just liked our stuff, and he was a comedy nerd. And um, he'd booked up a week of meetings with like Hollywood executives, and we're like, this is ridiculous. And he. He, le- he lent us his buddy's car and we just like, I remember we landed at like 10 a.m. in Los Angeles and by midday I was at, I was walking around like unguarded on fo- on the Fox lot to do meetings. <laughs> this is fucking absurd. And then like <laughs> one of the meetings that week was with Ed Helms's production company. They just liked us and they said, let's try and make a TV show. And we're, oh, okay, yeah, tongue, yeah, whatever. 
And so we just very slowly developed it with them. Like we just you kept doing emails back and forth, like literally like months in between correspondence. But we thought even if nothing comes, it's just a fun thing to do like a hobby. It's just to like develop this thing. And meanwhile, we're touring and trying to make TV shows in Australia. Four or five years later, the production company's like, okay, so we've lined up all these ducks. Let's pitch to some places. And we were touring in the US at this time. So we thought, well, let's let's do it then. We went over. We pitched to three streaming services. And this is still, all of us are just like, this is just a funny thing to do. Like, this is not going to happen. <laughs> and we went into all of the streaming meetings just like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, and like cracking jokes and absolutely not taking it seriously and probably being a bit disrespectful. And um, <laughs> and we did it and we, one of them was Netflix and we, we, we came home and a month later we're in our office and we just recorded a podcast. I remember it's one of those moments that you'll always remember. Um, mm. And we're in our office and our manager called us and just said, Answer your fucking phone. The US is calling. And I was like, oh, and we put it on speaker and it was one of the producers from Ed's company. He said, hey, Netflix would like to give you six episodes. And we oh. all just like screamed. We like, we just lost our mind. And um, it took ages to finally happen, like with contracts and things. But we couldn't talk about it for like two years because all of it was. Oh, my God, Broden. So we we're just walking around. Everyone's like, what are you up to? And we're like, oh, I bought a hat. Um, like we couldn't say anything. It's so, <laughs> it's so true because especially with comedians, like, oh, what's going on? And then you feel like you have to quickly reel off, you know, like your, your bio for that moment in time. I've got this yeah. going on. Or, yeah, I'm working on this show. Goes, and you had fucking Netflix. You had the Queen's Gambit. You had. <laughs> we had the Rook. You had it. You had the Rook. <laughs> and you couldn't play him. Her. It. Oh, <laughs> mate, how did you keep that secret? It was it was pretty horrifying. Like it was, it actually oh. killed me because, like you know, also Hollywood has a as a as a reputation for things always falling through. So mm. it was like being on the precipice of a cum for like <laughs> for like <laughs> for two years, and like even like we got we received contracts on a Friday, mm. and we flew out on the Monday when it finally <gasps> finally happened. And, um, yeah, and when we were there, they gave us all cars. They put us up in Hollywood Boulevard, baby, and we just lived there for five months and just had, like, an absolute dream run of making a show that is just ours. It's no one else's. We made it. No one will ever be able to take it away from us. If people like it or they don't, that's neither here nor nor there for me. Like, it's we got to do this fucking cool thing. We did it ourselves, and, like, and it's an incredible story I'll always have. Oh my god! Goosebumps. <laughs> that story is brutal. So many people will listen. You're just another example of like backing yourself, making your own magic, and just fucking sticking to your guns. All the things I bitch on about continuously for the last decade. You're a shining example of that. And you have a fucking Netflix show, bruh. It, that's, like, yeah, that's worth saying, Em. It's like the, and, and the road to here has just been paved with people saying you suck. So that's important yeah. for people to hear. Like the only, the only road to doing shit that you're proud of is like a road of people saying you're shit. Just know that. Oh, it is. And you know what else it is? For me, it's constantly – defending and, like, being sheer princess of power out front of what I want to make. Like, there's always something going, oh, can you just bend it this way? Can you just make it like this? Can yeah. you just maybe do this version of what you make? And 
I don't know if it's more compounded because I'm a woman, but just constantly having to say, no, I don't want to do that. No, we're not going to do that. No, it's No, it's I, I would exhausting. say 100% it would be like, I can't imagine for you, it would be like me times 10 what I have to go through. Like, and like, yeah. like self-questioning and like, uh, if you, if you, it's that thing. If you've just got to always be checking with yourself and going, "Am I proud of this? Is this what I want?" Yes. And then just like fucking doubling down. Yeah, the doubling down is the hard part. Yes. But once uh, you got to surround yourself with you have, you got to surround yourself with checkpoints with people that you can go. Wait, am I being a fucking cunt about this, or am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. And then I have so many of them in my life that come back and go, "No, stick to your guns," or maybe that's not the hill you want to die on. Maybe let's just let them have that one so you can have this one. I'm not very good at being strategic. I'm all heart and no brain. So yeah. I th- I think, like, I just love so much. When I was watching it, I got really teary watching it because, you know, I'm an emotional person and be weird. I uh, cried too when I watched it because I was just so Did exhausted. Did you cry? Did you cry? <laughs> when it was Annie, I was I had to do a Facebook Live to try and drive people to watch it at 7 o'clock when it came out. <laughs> And um, yeah. it was on in the other room and my partner Annie came in and looked at me and said, it's up. And I just like, just emotion oh. cried for like, th- I couldn't get up from my chair. I was just so tired. It had just been such a journey of like, yeah, two, three years. And I was oh, just darling. like, I have nothing else. I have nothing else. <laughs> and then I watched it and I hadn't watched it properly without like, without a critical eye. Yeah, of course. And I just went and I was like, oh, this is quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. It's a beautiful, shiny, wonderful, true, honest thing that you've made. And that's why everyone loves it because you maintain the rage, man. Like there is nothing not authentically Auntie Donna in that whole thing. Like, I just, yeah, except for Mark letting the team down with creamer. But <laughs> yeah, other fucking than creamer, that- Mark. Jesus, we were almost there. We almost had a, f- a perfect game. <laughs> I'm glad because so often with performers, they just move on to the next thing without stopping and rolling out to the edges of the moment and basking in it. And especially it's not very Australian to go, fuck yeah, I'm awesome. Yeah. So yeah, no, you guys, no. I hope that you've done some fuck yes, I'm awesomes because what you've done is it's just also encouraging other performers and the arts is kind of under attack at the moment. Um so you're encouraging other young kids and other comedians and other performers that it is cool to keep just doing your shit and people will eventually see you. It's fucking good, man. Oh, that's great, man. And, like, <sighs> thank you for all your lovely words. That's very pre- – and thank you for watching it. That's very lovely. Broden Kelly, I'm very proud of you in in because I'm a mum, so it's okay if I say that. Yes, it um, is. Thank you for coming on this podcast that I know is not your normal thing. <laughs> Yes. No, I'm fucking fucking honoured to be on it, to be honest. I, uh, I, and hello to – if you see me on the street and you know me from yep. this podcast, you come up and you give me a, a little high five. Well, not because of code. You just give me a pretend high five <laughs> and say, Oh, yes. Hello. And can I just let people know who, who are um, – Broden Kelly does look like a sexy Viking. I'm just putting Fuck it out yeah. there. So, like <laughs> – I've t- I talk a lot about Vikings on this podcast because I'm obsessed. Like I bounce between RuPaul's Drag Race and violent Nordic men. That's the spectrum and of of gender, isn't pre- it? <laughs> pretty much. And so when I say to people, and we do love to like totally objectify men on this podcast, <laughs> Broden Kelly looks like a really hot, big Rang Viking. So you guys will very, they're all going to frantically Google image search you now as well. This is why know, I so. came on. I was hoping we would get yeah. to this. So that's good. <laughs> All right, dude. I'm officially pressing stop on the recording. Thank you. Thanks so much, mate. 
That's it. Thank you for listening, guys. Don't forget to go and check out Arnie Donner's Big Old House of Fun on Netflix. It's so great. It's so funny. Um, wasn't he delicious? I think I kind of pulled it together halfway through. <laughs> Thanks for listening to M Salation, a conversation with Broden Kelly. Tell a friend if you liked it. Why not? It's a good story. See you guys. <laughs>